Welcome to the War Room Podcast. I'm your host, Jer, with my co-host, Adam. In this episode, we're going to talk about high-octane offenses versus stingy defenses in the NHL. Uh, We'll do a quick post-mortem on our love-them-but-absolutely-hate-them Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, And the Raps are ready to begin their title defense as the NBA playoffs begin with some awesome matchups right out of the gate. So massive shock, the Leafs lost again in a playoff series. This time, they lost in the playoff qualifying round uh, with very little or no excuses. Uh, The fact that they've lost uh, and everything is bad has been so frequently discussed, but uh, what we're going to look at today are the numbers that actually reflect why they lost a little bit more. Adam, how are you doing, man? Getting ready for the NBA playoffs or what? At least we have that to look forward to, don't we? At least the rap. <laughs> I don't even remember the last time the Raptors lost a first round series, and the last time the Leafs won a first round series was when fifteen, sixteen years ago. So, yeah, I mean, 04 against yeah. the Senators, I think the Raps last last lost a first round. I believe it was Brooklyn. No, it was the Washington Wizards the next year. Oh, the Wizards they got swept. Next, they got swept. Yeah, yeah but what, since then, Rivas Vasquez, <laughs> <laughs> the shimmy. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. But since then, the Raptors haven't lost a first round series. So it's right, something, right. it's the complete opposite on both sides, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, and you can see that in the way that the game is played by both teams relative to each other. Whereas even if the Raptors are having a bad game, they give it their all. Uh, whereas the, Leafs tend to collapse. Um, and like I mentioned in the beginning, there's so many people that just want to hammer them over the head right now, uh, myself included. However, uh, I think a couple of things. Uh, number one, um, and we're going to talk about this in a second, is that from a numbers perspective, the Leafs didn't actually do as well as people think they did. Uh, Sheldon Keefe mentioned that they got unlucky in the series. I actually think though that is true to some extent, uh, it's really mostly their play overall that did them in. Um, And not necessarily even their playing style, just the way that they played. Uh, And then two, uh, shock, not a shock to me, is the culture within the team. This team has been paid and paid massively before they've actually won anything. They've done well in the regular season, but it has just not translated into any kind of playoff wins. Uh, Edmonton, who in some ways is even more embarrassing than Toronto, uh, the Oilers, that is, uh, have at least actually won a playoff series. Uh, it was the they one have. time they made the playoffs, uh, yeah, I think two years ago. Um, I forget who they beat, actually, but they made it to the second round. I think they lost in seven games to the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, but anyways, they've even they've won a playoff series. That's But the... that's a common dilemma in sports, right? It's do you pay for potential or do you pay for past performance? And I feel like the Leafs are leaning towards that potential side of yeah. it. I, I mean, I think Dubas has one year left of this experiment. Um, but they're locked into that core four as... And he's locked in. Yeah. He's the one who yeah. wants to keep it together. I guess that's his pet project. Yeah. So. I mean, this might be a little bit, uh, you know, off for me, but I hated his press conference. He was way, I don't know if you heard it, Adam, but he was super defensive. You know, he was talking about how, I don't understand the criticism about Mitch Marner. He plays hard every night, so on and so forth. And I thought the reason Marner's head is on a platter is because you gave him $11 million a year, <laughs> right? If Mitch Marner is getting paid $8.5 million, $9 million, no one is really going to go after him other than the usual disappointment of the Leafs losing. He got way too big a contract, and therefore he's going to get criticized heavily. And he deserves to be criticized. Yeah. But the thing is... Kyle Dubas has the right to say, hey, he's part of my team and the team that I believe will win. So he's going to give Marner as many chances as he can. Right. I mean, they're running out. And this is what I love about sports. It's not like uh, politics, for example, where the outcome, you can always sort of run around the outcome and and say how you did better than what people are saying. But sports, it's a results, goals-based area. So... 
you know you play to win the game yeah right? as much that's as you can the, say something to that's keep, the main point you play to you, yeah you as much as you can placate the media or reporters or fans performance in the end you have to win um and when you don't win someone's going to get blamed for it and Kyle Duvis is the head of this whole project so he is going to get blamed if at the end of the season uh next season sorry uh, you know the failure is monumental again because it's not even um that they didn't win the cup they still haven't gotten won a playoff series uh so this is desperate times and it's always in that elimination game yeah so they- do you have numbers that back any of this stuff up? These right. So actually, you know, in general. Yeah. B- before we get into the um, uh, Leafs specifically against Columbus, I would just want to point one thing out between rates versus counting stats. Uh, counting stats is just uh, the number of goals you get, assists, points. We've talked about Corsi. We've talked about expected goals for. Uh, so those are just the absolute totals. Yeah. And the more games you played, the higher the totals will be. That's right. But what is sort of not viewed as much, and I think it should be, and I think we've also talked about this in the NBA, is a rate-based stat. So per 60, yeah. per 60 minutes is what I'm looking at. And the and, NBA does use rate stats far more than the NHL, at least. Yeah, and, and, and the NHL should really start doing it because on a per 60 level, except for half of game three and all of game two the Leafs didn't even perform up to their central tendency up to their average in any of the other games in terms of generating scoring chances and generating uh high danger chances um I would uh, point anyone listening uh, or anyone listening I would point towards natural statric for uh definitions of those two terms uh we've talked about them before again but they're they're, they indicate how much offense is being generated by one team you know, outside of the goals that are actually being scored. And people have looked at the numbers and said, hey, the Leafs, do are, you know, they're doing great in numbers, but they're not doing well overall. So who cares about numbers? Uh, they did not perform up to their average for the majority of the series. Their and season average. You mean, their their right? season average. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you for, for clarifying. So. It's not a shock that they really struggled to score. They had three even-strength goals for the series versus t- uh, 10, I believe, for Columbus. Uh, two of those, uh, uh, it was 12, but two of them were empty netters. Uh, so this, this is not a shock. And these are in all the main areas. This is scoring yeah. chances, high-danger chances, and expected goals for. And these, I've even again, heard that their the shooting percentage, the shooting percentage during the series was abysmally low comparatively to any any game of the right, like any portion of the regular season, even it really was. Uh, it, it, and you can say there's some bad luck there, but when you don't put yourself in position to do better, you're going to, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, people have pointed out the big miss by Tavares in game five, where he hit the post on an empty net, but this is an offensive team. If you're relying on, you know, game five, game four, miracle game five, hoping, you know, relying on luck so to speak. hoping a single goal hoping for one goal right it's not it's not much to ask for but it's not much to ask for but it's also sad that a team that's built on offense is on the fringes as it pertains to getting those goals getting those chances uh it's disappointing and it points to the fact that the playoffs are very tight you're you have to you have to play at a level that is at least what you've been playing out in terms of uh, average during the season and, and, you know, and beyond. And the Leafs just never went past that point. They never, never even hit their average for the majority of the five games. And Columbus was the perfect team against that. They are stingy defense. They rely more on counterattack. They rely more on waiting for their opportunity. They were a patient team and they outweighed the Leafs. They really could have beaten them in four games if not for the game four miracle that ended up not matter, that ended up not being important uh, in terms of the outcome of the series. So this leads me actually to my next point, which is uh, scoring chances for are, is a stat that's based on, on rush chances and rebounds, but it's not um, the greatest chance that you could get, right? It's a scoring chance. As lamely as I can put it, 
it's a it's a uh, it's a two on two rush that results in a in a shot from the slot. Um, th- those those are the kind of chances. So there, so there's scoring chances and there's high danger chances. So those chances are empty net in front, tip right in front of the net, rebound right in front of the net, uh, two on one. Uh, so where you see a lot of the goals coming from, where you see the majority of goals coming from. So to, so to, so to to enlighten that even more, on a high danger chance, teams generally um, convert those about thirty percent of the time. On a scoring chance, teams generally convert those between eight and ten percent of the time. Okay. Right. So, so you're saying three times more likely to that's score right. a high danger scoring chance. Yeah, and then you have that uh, roughly the equivalent average in terms of ratios. So this is something I really want to get into today, which is looking at the ratio of high danger chances uh, compared to how many scoring chances a team gets. So as the pattern that I notice is that teams, uh, first of all, the ratio. So the ratio is generally one high danger chance for every three or four scoring chances across the league. So it's between 25 and 31% uh, in terms of, you know, you get three or four rush chances and then you get one chance. That's like, you know, high chance that it's going in that kind of thing. So just a question here. Yeah. So every high danger scoring chance is also a scoring chance for, right? That's right. Okay. So the way that I've tallied it up is I've looked at the per 60 chances for, for both high danger and scoring chances for. Uh, and I divided the high danger chances divide were divided by the scoring chances. And it gave me a ratio and it basically, or it gave me a percentage and I looked at it as a ratio. So I said, okay, it's roughly between 25% and 30%, which means the teams get in general, one high danger chance for every four or three or four scoring chances that they get. Okay. And I found some interesting patterns there. So <clears throat> what, I've generally found is that a lot of the high scoring teams during the regular season have a lower, uh, a lower percentage of, or, or more scoring chances before they get a high danger chance. So a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team like the Tampa Bay lightning, the Colorado avalanche, these are all high octane. They've got fast players. They've got dynamite goal scorers. These teams uh, who have the also, coincidentally have the highest goals for in general Uh, this is washington as well have a lower percentage of high danger chances for scoring chances so they get closer to four they 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 get a high danger chance closer to four times uh sorry let me rephrase this they get a high danger chance every four times they have a chance. yeah so every four scoring chances one of them is a high danger chance that's right um and they tend to be the more successful teams. Now, this can point to a couple of things. At least this is my theory behind it, my analysis of it, is that these teams do really well at quick strike offense. They've got high-skilled players. Think of Austin Matthews, Nathan McKinnon, Kucherov, Point, Stamkos. They, are, they, they strike quickly, and they don't need necessarily need a high-danger chance to score. On the flip side, you've got teams that have a very high ratio, so they get a high danger chance every three scoring chances they get. So, or, or, or closer to that number. And these are teams like the New York Islanders who do not have outside of maybe one or two players, the high end talent that you would expect. Uh, these are, these are teams like the Carolina hurricanes, same problem. Um, they do, they, they still manage to do well. They still manage to win both Carolina and New York and, and the New York Islanders got through their qualifying round. But essentially, they are not rush teams. They are not teams that they are counterattack teams. They play stingy defense. They piss you off for the entire game, and they wait for their chance. That's why you see that ratio difference. At least that's what I'm seeing in the numbers. Yeah. What else you can also say is that maybe these are all rate stats, but maybe mm-hmm. because these good teams like Washington are creating so many scoring chances that they still get a lot of high danger scoring chances, but they create so many scoring chances that the ratio is just smaller. Whereas another yeah. team, whereas another team could be possibly bad because they just don't produce many scoring opportunities, but a lot of their scoring opportunities are high danger opportunities. But the thing is you would like ideally most of your scoring opportunities to be high danger opportunities because those are 
have a 30% chance of a goal compared to 8 to 10% chance of a goal, right? That's right. Actually, to even clarify further, every team just would love to get the most scoring chances and the most high danger chances. But the way that they play reflects, regardless of how what the count is, the way that they play reflects whether they're a more offensively uh, inclined team or a defensively inclined team. Perhaps that's a better way to, to, to break up that classification. Um, look, for years, Ovechkin has scored from a very similar spot. That spot where he scores from is not considered a high-danger chance area. He is uh, uniquely skilled in the way that he just blasts the puck into some area of the net, and it yeah. goes in. But that's a scoring chance for basically every other team. And tons of teams outside of maybe like take a Stamkos uh, who also scores from a similar area don't get that kind of production from one player in that yeah, area. So I'm talking that either, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about Houston's consistency. Ovechkin may be one of the most consistent players the NHL has ever seen from, his, from a goal scoring perspective. He, okay, he is yeah. probably the most consistent goal scorer the NHL has ever seen. Yeah, and you can say um, the th- same thing about Austin Matthews, right? That left, that left wing over there. Yeah, score I, from it's it's been three years where he's been doing it, but um, I, I actually he he can score a lot of ways actually. So for him, I I think he's more creative than Ovechkin, but he also needs to be more creative than Ovechkin. Ovechkin has been so consistent. He could, he's been bombing the puck in there. Specific shot, yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. And every team knows it's coming. There's no secret. <laughs> No one has uh, forgotten about it. Everyone knows. And yet, 45-plus goals year after year, yeah. uh, which is pretty spectacular. And, and even though I'm not a huge Ovechkin fan, I, I, you know, I have to respect that. It's, yeah. it's pretty impressive. But, but these players back... are the outliers, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. teams who don't have these players, they would be more, they'd be, it would be more beneficial for them to create high danger scoring chances rather than, than these scoring chances that someone like a Vetchkin could score from. Right? That's right. They, they rely more on their skill. But it makes sense based on the way the teams are built as well, yeah. uh, which is the, Caps, the Capitals, the Washington Capitals, Alexander Ovechkin's team, they know what they have. So they're not going to try to play a different way because you know they hope to get more chances. If it's working, it's working. Uh, that being said, they are down 0-3, so maybe they should look about you know look into changing things. Their scoring chances, right? That's right. So, uh, anyways, back to the ratio part. What I love about this is that we have uh, polar opposite teams for a lot of these series. So, um, Columbus and Tampa could not be more opposite. It's playing out that way. Tampa is throwing tons of pucks at the net. They're getting lots of chances, high danger or or lesser. Uh, and Columbus is, I think, is praying and hoping that they can hold it together. They're only down 2-1 in the series. They've bo- All three games have been very close. Actually, the first game went to five overtimes. Five overtimes, yeah. Fourth longest un- game, I believe, in any yeah, history. It's, it's unbelievable. They basically all- they almost played three games, which is bananas. <laughs> yeah, that is That's true. amazing, insane. Um so anyways, I wonder honestly what that would have been like with fans just sitting there for, uh, what was it, six hours they were playing for almost? I don't uh, know if I'd be able to make it through the entire thing, but no I, I bet there are quite a few who will stay in the, in the stands for, for that whole six-hour six hour game, seven-hour game, however long it took. It was, it was just unbelievable. Now, I didn't watch a ton of it, and honestly, I was shocked that it was still on every time I would keep checking the score. Um, but anyways, again, polar opposite teams. <clears throat> Another series that's like that uh, is the New York Islanders and the Capitals, the aforementioned teams. Again, polar opposites. The Capitals have a very good top six. The Islanders play stingy defense, and they wait you out. And the games have reflected as such. Uh, they've all, again, been very close games. Um, Hopey struggled a bit. But overall, they've, the, the series has gone in the Islanders' favor. Um, another series that against polar opposites is Colorado and F- and Arizona, almost called them Phoenix. Uh, the Coyotes, uh, the Coyotes are a team. All these teams, by the way, who are stingy defenses, have a very high ratio of high danger chances for scoring chances. They are more on the one to three portion of it, uh, whereas the teams that are not so stingy are in the uh, on the on the other side. They're the one to four uh, is their ratio. 
So it's playing out very in a, in a very interesting way um, where like Colorado's leading their series. Washington's getting killed by, by the Islanders. Uh, Tampa is leading their series. It'll be very interesting to see whether teams that are more offensively minded, uh, if, if one of them ends up winning the cup, uh, the last few winners, we've had a mix. Uh, Pittsburgh is very offensive-minded. Washington is, is as well. St. Louis, much more like a defensive, stingy team. They've got a high ratio uh, or, or a higher percentage. They've got, they're closer to that one to three range. So uh, one thing I'm excited for is that you get to see both styles of play. You get to see offensively-minded teams go against stingy defensive teams. The unstoppable force versus the immovable object. Um, so excited to see how the, the uh, uh, playoffs turn out, uh, at least for this first round in the NHL, uh, particularly because you have two styles of play that's reflected in the numbers. Yeah. Are any of these series surprising to you, the results so far? Uh, not, not so far. Um, I'm a little bit surprised Tampa didn't beat Columbus uh, in game two after taking, you know, after they winning took such a lead, a... right? Yeah. Yeah, after after you know winning a five overtime game. Okay, yeah. But but it's more about I think Columbus has extremely has very good resolve. They obviously believe in each other and they believe in their coach because they just are nowhere. They're not even close to Tampa. They in terms they, of talent, some, it, yeah. not just in terms of talent. Like they um, they so Tampa won three two a couple of nights ago, I believe, um, and they won three two. The shots, the course he expected everything was completely lopsided yet it was three two and tampa is going past their averages for the year so they should have won the game and they did but it was still a game which to me that is unbelievable but at the same time it looks like they've exercised their demons from last year i think columbus is hanging by a thread they've just got to keep believing in themselves because they really shouldn't have a shot in the series and tampa is hammering them game after game there's only so you know only so much more time I, I don't i don't think it's long before the dam breaks so to speak and corpus Allo and whether merzlinkis comes in that's columbus's backup goalie whether they're uh, able to survive getting this I, kind of barrage of chances and shots and even if columbus does make it through like their schedule is so grueling that it's not only that they play the max series as usual but they have the additional play-in round where three games two games went to overtime i forget how many and then one yeah, game yeah. went to five overtime so like i don't see it ending well for columbus but it's amazing what they've done so far and i think that will be the general critique of a defensive and stingy team it's i think it's going to be the same problem the islanders have or the carolina hurricanes uh, or uh, a team like montreal um actually yeah, montreal is sort of a hybrid team but Overall, I think that's where these stingier teams struggle in the long run of the playoffs because it's exhausting to, to try not to make a mistake defensively and just wait for the offense to come. Whereas the more offensive teams, they take more initiative. So, you know, their, their game is more free-flowing and it helps their whole lineup get into it. And it doesn't rely as much on the goaltender. So my feel is that of, is that of Tampa Bay, Colorado – type team they have a better chance in the long run of the playoffs than a team like columbus or new york um would but that remains to be seen it's going to be a very interesting uh let's see you know the results will be very interesting in the first round here it's still early we're about three games through or four games through for most of the series so lots of time left there's only a couple of lopsided series scores yeah but talking about the playoffs let's move on to a very exciting time to be a Toronto sports fan. The inverse of the lease, the antithesis of the Leafs. <laughs> that is the Toronto Raptors and, of course, the NBA playoffs, which start uh, as we're recording this tomorrow. Yeah, so Monday. Mm-hmm. So the first series that I wanted to talk to you about, surprise, is going to be the Raptors versus the Nets. I've got the Raptors in five in this one. I have the I same. Raptors yeah, and I, and I really think it's just because they could screw up one game. And not that it wouldn't scare. It's like Orlando last year. We lost game one. But I really, there was nothing about this series that scared me. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, but, but how do you feel about it? Uh, I mean, I feel like this is the most boring series out of the entire NBA playoffs. 
Um, yeah, there's the, the Brooklyn Nets who've lost almost all of their best players. Kevin Durant never played a game yet. Kyrie Irving, Spencer Didwinney, uh, DeAndre. They're all <laughs> gone. And their best player, Karis LeVert, he's been playing amazingly well in the bubble. But I just don't see them doing anything against the number one defense in the bubble, which is the Raptors. Um, yeah, and it, it might be the most boring series the Raptors have played in. This may be in, ever since they started yeah. making the playoffs, at least, yeah. right? Honestly, I mean, there's no. Decade, it feels like or this past. There's decade. no star players. There's. I I can't see Brooklyn having any chance of even having a single player turn the series to anything competitive. Yeah, it it will be very disappointing if this series goes past five games. It means either Brooklyn had some hidden talent that we didn't know about, or the Raptors really uh, struggle to to play their game. But I just I just don't see it happening. Yeah, but there uh, are like some what... points. I'll just bring up a couple of points that. Yep. Hey, maybe Brooklyn might have a chance. So the Raptors had the best defense in the bubble, quite amazingly. Um, five points per one hundred possessions, better than anyone else. But they did give up the most turnovers. They uh, Pascal's fault. <laughs> um, and then they also gave up. Sorry, and they also didn't score very well. They had one of the lowest offensive ratings in the uh, in the bubble, mainly because they put most of their effort on defense to begin with. So I mean. Ideally, the Nets would like to score off the turnovers that the Raptors get because the Raptors just were terrible at uh, keeping possession of the ball. ball. But the Brooklyn Nets also were very bad at scoring off turnovers, bottom five in the bubble. Um, And so chances are they won't be able to do anything. They're a good offensive team in terms of uh, getting assists. They're amongst the leaders in assists, but I don't think any of that's going to really help them against the Raptors, who have great wing defenders and many people to guard Brooklyn's only offensive weapon. Yeah, I mean, at the risk of sounding too cocky or overconfident, maybe we are, but when the when they are one of the bottom five teams in scoring uh, off of turnovers, which has been our biggest hindrance, when even that stat lines up well for the Raptors, you know, it's a, it's a tough outlook. Yeah, and the thing is, the Raptors actually don't give up many points on tur- off turnovers. They just give, have a lot of turnovers. It's right. really quite amazing because their defense is so good. Yeah, and, and they can. I think that's an area that's very easy for them to improve on. Oh, yeah, um, just to keep... I mean, they've always been a good team in keeping possession of the ball, but just during the bubble, I guess it's just coming back... Uh, a little rusty that caused them to get all these turnovers. Right. And, and again, I would say Pascal is the main issue there. I don't know if anybody else has, has played that badly with regards to turnovers. Maybe there's a game here or there, but he in particular had a very rough uh, end of the season in the bubble as turnovers. Uh, actually, overall, I think he struggled. Right, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about. Yeah, that. I think he's his scoring has still been pretty decent, but like efficiency, um, turnovers, three point percentage, they just haven't been to what you expect from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get another out of the way. Um, that's the Bucks and the Magic. I've got the Bucks. In that's four. a sweep. That's a sweep one. for yeah. me as well. Uh, Orlando, they have some talent, defensive talent. They lost their best defender. In Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac to injury. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I just it's, can't see them scoring against Milwaukee. Just they yeah, have no it, offensive weapon. Yeah, and if if Aaron Gordon is playing, I don't know if he is or not. Uh, Kyle Lowry kind of injured him on a pretty bad foul. <laughs> yeah. um, if he is playing, he would be the main one, and even then, he's not going to be a hundred percent healthy. And the Bucks. I mean, sure, if they didn't have Giannis, maybe the Magic could take a game. Even then, I, I've been looking at a few stats. The Bucks' offensive rating without Giannis is... Uh, I mean, their net rating without Giannis is three is three points per 100 mm-hmm. possessions, whereas the Orlando's general net rating is like negative one points per 100 possessions. So the Bucks without Giannis is, is still, based on points per 100 possessions, a better team than... The Orlando Magic. So 
I mean, I don't see anything. Yeah, anything I, that I, could I, even get Orlando to win a single game. The Raptors, I mean, just being a Raptors fan, you always see that there's going to be – they're going to lose a game. It always happens. Yeah, but, it's just it's but, it's but a the, tradition. It's their tradition, right? Probably game yeah. one. But mm-hmm. the Orlando Magic, I, I don't see them winning a game. Yeah, I very much agree. I've got – yeah, I've, I've got the same. I've got the Bucks in, in four. Two very interesting series, which honestly is refreshing because that has not been the case for the Eastern Conference for a long in time in the first round. I mean, these uh, these series, these two series that you're going to be talking about, they would be better if injuries weren't a a, a big issue, issue. But but um, they still are quite juicy series. So let's start with uh, Miami and Indiana. So let's just get the injuries out of the way. I think for the Pacers, unfortunately, it's their all star. Demontonis Sabonis. Sabonis. Yeah. No, no idea if I'm saying his first name. Right. I don't know how to say his first name either. Yeah, but he's out, unfortunately. Uh, do the Heat have any major injuries? Not I that I can so. think of off the top of my head. They've got everybody. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean they've been playing pretty well, also in the bubble. Yeah. Um, um, this would have been a very series? good series with with Sabonis playing. Yeah. But I yeah. have, I would say the Heat. In longer than a lot of people would expect, I would say the Heat in seven would be my guess. Oh, okay, yeah, I have the Heat in six. Yeah, um, I just think Jimmy Butler. I know TJ Warren has been playing out of his mind, and TJ Warren is injured as well. I forgot to even mention that. Oh, he got in a shoot. Yeah. yeah, they're in massive yeah. trouble. But I uh, see... someone's pointing out. Someone's pointing out to me. Uh, this is a stupid side note, maybe uh, that he kind of reminds them. Uh, this is one of my family members. Uh, TJ Warren, that is, reminds them of Kawhi a little bit. Except that he has a lot of arc. He has a lot of arc on his shot. That's the only. I could see they both have the dreads. Um, Similar build almost. They're similar builds. Yeah, they play a lot of back down game. If they can't, actually, I won't say they play a lot. They can play a lot of back down game. Mm -hmm. Mid range two pointers. Yeah, I see the similarities, but overall skill, I don't see. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not actually. I don't see it. But he kind. I think he got noticed because someone was like, "Hey, he runs like Kawhi. Hey, hey, he looks like Kawhi." Yeah, uh, and then of course he scored fifty three in the game that we were watching. I forget against who. Yeah, that um, opening game of the bubble, right? I forget who that yeah, was against as well. Yeah, that's pretty spectacular. Um, it's Philadelphia, yeah, I'm pretty sure the seventy sixers. Right, I think right. It was yeah. Which, which let's uh, unless you wanted to mention anything else, let's move on to that series. I just want um, to mention one more thing. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing that <laughs> so the Heat are terrible at giving up second chance points off rebounds. Mm-hmm. But the the team that would take advantage of this the least is Indiana because they're the worst at getting rebounds. So the one little sliver that they could have taken advantage of, they don't even have that advantage. So I, I it's going to be the Heat who win this year. And that's and that's a bonus, right? That's where he would. And that's a bonus. A he gets the rebounds. Yeah. So uh, it's too bad. Uh, maybe yeah. I mean, in seven, that's. I can still... see it in seven. I, I have a feeling yeah. Oladipo will kind of come back to normal. And they also have Malcolm I, Brogdon. So, like, wing depth, who can guard Jimmy Butler. I think that's they have right. players to guard Jimmy Butler. So, I, I think right. the series is going to go quite long. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that series, uh, at least on the Eastern side. That's, a, that's an interesting series. More so, uh, although this series could I, – I think the series is going to go long, but I could also see it being a blowout. I've got the Celtics – in six, maybe in seven against the 76ers, uh, mainly because I think that Embiid might be better off with Simmons off the floor. That is uh, true. That's what everyone leading was the team. Um, mm-hmm. I have the six. I mean, I have the Celtics in six as well. Okay. Um, they just have too much wing depth. The Sixers lost their best wing defender. Um, Boston's been solid across the board in the bubble. Uh, they slapped Jason, the raps. Yeah, they slapped the raps real bad. Jason Tatum had terrible start to the bubble, but since then, he's been pretty, pretty. They do have a tendency to kind of not play well against bad teams. That just might mm-hmm. be a mental thing. Uh, they mm-hmm. took what the Orlando Magic took them to three overtime, two overtime. Sorry, took them to overtime uh, in the bubble or a few overtimes. I forget now. So they haven't been great against sharp teams but i mean they have too much offense philadelphia has one player so this is the constant thing that people say about boston i'm not sure if it comes across in stats they say that daniel tice their center 
isn't a great download defender. They give up mm-hmm. a lot of points in the paint. Uh, and I think um, they give up a lot of offensive rebounds and free throws. So Embiid, you can guess, would get a lot of offensive rebounds and free throws. So if there's one thing that Philadelphia could take advantage of is that. But outside of that, they're, they've been great at three-point shooting in the bubble, but it might just be an eight-game sample size. I don't see them beating Boston four games out of seven. Yeah, and um, Boston scares me more than the Bucks. I don't know why. It just seems like they wake up for the Raptors more than anything. Yeah, and else. they ha- really have no major weaknesses. They don't. Right? They can shoot the lights out too, which is they can scary. Shoot. Like, the, the only thing someone could take advantage of is in the paint. And mm-hmm. if Philadelphia can't, I don't see any teams really doing much damage to Boston. It will just be taking advantage of uh, poor games by boston's young wing defenders yeah it'll be interesting to see how brett brown approaches this challenge because i think i think his his time is coming to an end if he's not able to figure this out um or at least if he takes the celtics to seven and it's a coaching you know it's because of his coaching that might be a different story but if they get you know hammered in in five or even six i think his job is going to be in trouble even though he lost him in uh, I guess it depends how they how they uh, how they lose, um, but I know the rationalization for keeping him was, hey, they had the defending champs on the last shot in Game Seven, so uh, or they had the champs, the Raps, yeah. obviously. And, and this year they're going to blame it all on injuries, so maybe Brett Brown stays, right? Yeah, maybe he stays. Um, okay, moving to the Western Conference. Oh, such these are good matchups. series. These are very I'm good so series. I'm so excited. In, in the Western I, Conference. I, I picked. The, okay, so let's start with the Lake Show versus the Trailblazers. Ooh. I picked the Lakers in six, but I really think Portland has a shot just because of how talented their backcourt is. So um, I have the Lakers in in five, <laughs> just because right. LeBron James just doesn't lose first round series. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't um, remember seeing it. <laughs> they have been playing terribly in the bubble. The Lakers, they're the second Awful. worst second worst net rating out of all 22 teams. Um, just abysmal. But talent-wise, they still have more. Like those two players, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I don't think anything Portland can do will be able to uh, – be able to get them to win four games out of seven. You can say Damian yeah. Lillard. Sure, Damian Lillard is great, but I don't. I just can't see it. I don't. What's your take on this on this series? Um, so I th- I think the only downfall to the way the Lakers are built is that their outside shooting is so poor. Um, and Portland, I actually think. Nurkic is a much bigger liability on defense than people think he is. Uh, He looks exhausted. That's another thing I know. um, His uh, grandmother did pass away recently, so maybe that's part of it. But uh, he looked gassed against Brooklyn. They barely beat Brooklyn, and they barely beat Memphis. And it was because that can be also the fact that he just came back from injury as well. That's right. He was out for sixteen months. Conditioning. He was um, out for 16 months, yeah. They have one of the worst defenses. The bottom five defenses in the bubble. Good, good that you mentioned that, because they, they looked terrible, defensively, that is. I mean, the only team that I think... But Portland, on the bright side, a lot of people say that playoff basketball is, hey, can you get someone the ball and they'll score for you right that's the problem that a lot of people say the raptors have they don't have this one player that you can just give the ball to and they'll score when you need them to the portland Trailblazers blazers have two players maybe even three if carmel anthony becomes mm-hmm. carmel anthony because they were second um sorry they were first in the bubble in unassisted unassisted points scored so a lot of isolation scoring a lot of probably pull up jumpers so if anything, they can get lucky and ride that. But outside of that, I, I can't see them winning. Do you see them having any chance of beating the Lakers? I, I do just for that last reason that you mentioned. Just the three-point shooting, essentially. They, oh, okay, I've seen sorry. them 
I've I, yeah, I've seen them overachieve in almost all of their playoff series. I don't know how they beat OKC so easily in five games last year. Um, you know, uh, that's when Dame hit that famous late game winner against Paul George, who had backed off him around the logo. And you know, Dame, Damian Lillard famously took one sidestep and bombed a three from 40 feet out. Yeah. And, you know, it went down and he waved goodbye to OKC. Um, I think that alone, give, that's the only shot they really have. Not Dame necessarily taking 40-foot threes, but that the Lakers don't don't have outside shooting gives Portland a little bit of life. The sad part is Portland's defense is so bad that I think it will negate the fact that the Lakers don't have great outside shooting. So sure. there's a little bit of life there because of how good their uh, Portland's backcourt is, but that's why I've got the Lakers in six. I think even with that life, at best, Portland will get two games. But it would excite me, but it wouldn't shock me if Portland somehow pulled this massive upset. But like it, w- said, it wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, LeBron losing the first round, that's tough to see. Yeah. I mean, it would shock me, but it, it wouldn't be out of the it, – it was not like the Milwaukee Bucks losing to the Orlando Magic. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would assume Milwaukee's starting five all got injured if that happened. That's how <laughs> you know, shocking it would have to be. Um, okay, that series I'm really excited for because I think Portland has a shot at an upset. It's a small chance, but I think they. But should be interesting. Uh, a very interesting series that I'm incredibly excited for. It pits James Harden against his former teammate Chris Paul. And that's OKC, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder versus the Houston Rockets. This is the hard series. I don't even know how to predict this one. I chose Houston in seven, but I got it can go. Six. It can go either way, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially since Russell Westbrook is out for at least the first game. Um, that might help injury. Houston, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> There's a possibility, but I think their offense is nowadays, nowadays is built. Uh, not solely, but it has a strong emphasis on Russell Westbrook getting into the paint. That without right. him, I mean, they'd still go with the hard and iso ball, but it will be a, less, a little less potent. So yeah, it would I... be the only thing I could see is hey, they don't have no big man to take over defensively, at least. And Steven mm-hmm. Adams is on the OKC Thunder. Right. Although he's not an amazing that offense. It's not that amazing. I mean, I yeah. was looking at some of the stats over here. They, um, the OKC Thunder, they like the Portland Trailblazers, they have a lot of unassisted scoring. So they have players that you can give the ball to and they could just probably make a bucket in Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder. But um, mm-hmm. they don't score much in the paint. They're very low at the near the bottom of the league and points in the paint during the bubble. And Houston is a team that really doesn't protect the paint very much. So it might actually go into Houston's favor that OKC doesn't score in the paint very often. Yeah. And Houston, now that they've changed things up, um, regardless of Westbrook, actually, I know they've tried to say, oh, Houston's pace has gone up because of Westbrook and all these things. I think it's actually because they, they don't wait 15 seconds before making a decision now. Yeah, they Very don't have often, to get the they don't first, have to get someone like they, Clint Capella to set a pick no, or anything like that. Yeah, very often the first pass, if it's off the screen, they jack up a three. I mean, um, it works for them. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's it's been working, which is when when a team is beating Houston by twenty, until there's two minutes left in the game, I I don't feel safe for the other team. Yeah. Right. Not at all. Uh, three threes later, and the game suddenly is very interesting. Uh, and Houston, and and they and they believe in it. They they definitely believe in it, and yeah. that's also a, a scary proposition. Houston's it's one of the teams. Houston's one of the teams I could see either getting kicked out in the first round, or they can make it all the way to the NBA Finals and win it. It's just one of those yeah. strange teams. Uh, FYI, if they win their series and the Lakers beat Portland, that's the matchup in the second round. I think they match up very well against the Lakers. Outside of Which the Anthony Davis weird. matchup. That's the only thing I could see not going well for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, yeah, for, for sure. But I actually think, in general, uh, they can outscore that team. Oh, 100%. Three-point shooting, one side yeah, is just they, amazing they at it. The other it. side is just terrible at it. So. 
but we're getting good. I'm getting ahead. Yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Who the heck knows what's going to happen in this Thunder Rocket series? Should be an awesome one. Another series is a coin flip, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe actually, I've given the edge to the Nuggets here. So it's Denver versus Utah. Well. I've got the I've got the Nuggets in seven. I have the Nuggets in six in the series. Um, yeah, that's um, and it's it's mainly because the Jazz they've lost one of their main scorers in Bogdanovich. Uh, yeah. To injury. Surprisingly, even though they have Rudy Gobert, they give up a lot in the paint amongst the worst. I think they might be the worst in the bubble in giving up points in the paint. And with really Gil- the Jazz. Yeah, the Jazz with Rudy Gobert. Terrible in the Weird. paint. And they're facing, in my opinion, the best center in the NBA. So, yeah. I don't see it. As well, Denver, they're terrible at defense. Like, disgusting during the bubble of defense. But the problem is the Jazz aren't a great offensive team. Um, so, right. so it's a tough I, matchup for them. It, it's a tough matchup for the Jazz. Like, they, the Jazz don't generate a lot of offense. They can't stop players scoring in the paint. Uh, Denver also has a very efficient type of offense. Good at threes. A lot of assists. Um, even though their defense is terrible. I don't see the Jazz generating enough offense. If, if a team like the Houston Rockets face the Denver Nuggets, where Houston can just score at will, then I would see Denver losing, but not against the Jazz. I don't know. What, what's your yeah. take of the Denver Nuggets? I think if it was just Jokic and Murray again, Utah would have a better chance. But now you've got Porter Jr. as well on yeah, top of the depth. And, and, and he's Denver killing has. it on, th- on three-pointers. So Yeah, I mean, so I, I – like I liked the Jazz team spirit. <laughs> Whether Gobert broke that spirit in March <laughs> remains to be remains to be seen. Like I, I like the pieces in in Utah, but I mm-hmm. don't think they just haven't they don't have enough in my opinion. I, I, yeah, and I also think part of that is on Quinn Snyder. I just don't like their offense. I've watched them play a bunch of times. It just never. Um, this goes back to how I used to feel about the Raptors when Dwayne Casey was the coach. It just felt like there yeah. were so a lot of the shots were difficult shots. They it's a lot of Donovan, or... Donovan Mitchell taking ISOs, Mike Conley nowadays taking ISOs, Bogdanovich when he was playing taking ISOs, even Joe Ingles he would take some ISOs, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, it just it feels like a stagnant offense. It feels like the shots are difficult, and they they have to force it on offense, and and they rely, like you said, too much on on their shot creators, in particular Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Um, so that's I think that'll be their downfall and the series where I wish it was more of a series um, but I don't think it is uh, it, it will be I've got uh, it's the Clippers Los Angeles Clippers against the Dallas Mavericks and I've got the Clippers in five I've got the Clippers in four um, yeah sweep on Dallas right the Clippers like whatever people say even though the record in the bubble may have not been amazing they were good at everything there was nothing that they were bad at uh, they can mm-hmm. generate offense anyway they can through assists, through unassisted three pointers in the paint, uh, mid range. They can literally do everything. Dallas, great offensive team. I think they were breaking the record or close to breaking the record for offensive rating in a season. Mm-hmm. Um, this past in season, in the bubble, not even in the bubble, in the regular season. Oh, just generally, just wow. generally, yeah. Uh, their defense is absolutely abysmal, just garbage, hot garbage defense. Um, Luka, I love Luka Doncic. He's a great player. Uh, I just don't think he can generate enough offense against Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Even though as much as yeah. I despise the Clippers, it's going to be an easy series for them. They, yeah, they just got way too much. If they struggle, at least before the Western Conference Finals, oh, actually, you know what? The Nuggets could pose some kind of threat to them. But yeah, that Jokic matchup re- is, is might be the only thing that I see the Clippers losing to in the first two rounds. Yeah, uh, I, I really think there's no reason. The Clippers are the closest thing. When I say the closest thing, I mean, from t- on, on paper, they're the closest thing we've had since the Warriors last year with Durant. Um, oh, you think it's that amazing? I would see parallels no. between like the Chicago Bulls type, but I don't see them being... No, no, no. I, yeah, I, I think that that's more accurate as well. I, I wouldn't say they're they are the Warriors. It's just, yeah. I mean, when I when I look at a team on paper, I think a team that should win if there was it because this is a year where parity is sort of uh, come back 
closer down to earth. Like it's it's had a bit more balance this year in the NBA. There's a bit more balance this year in the NBA. Um, they're the only team that really sticks out to me uh, more than anybody else on paper. Uh, I still say if they fail to win, which obviously they want to win, that is on Doc Rivers completely because there is no reason that they should not win the NBA titles here. I think I told you this before. If it was Nick Nurse coaching the Clippers, I would say they're oh, a favorite I... by far. Uh, but they haven't played well enough for me to feel that they are the favorite by far. They are the favorite maybe, but not by a lot if they are. Well, let's just say they are probably the favorites in the first round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure that. Um, Out of all the series, see, see I would play. say – I would say the Clippers, the Bucks, and the Raptors are 100% getting through. There's no chance that they don't get through. I like to see some miracles from Luca, though. It will yeah. take a miracle. But oh, I, beyond like a miracle. The guy's capable of it. The guy is capable of it. Yeah. Um, and Paul George, ter- at least recently. So maybe they can take yeah. advantage of that sort of uh, yeah. luck that I mean, I... Paul George has. Uh, yeah, and I'll also be interested to see if the Lakers actually make it to the Western Conference Finals, just because they've been played so poorly. Uh, and I could see them losing in, not necessarily maybe the first round against Portland, but definitely I could see them losing in the second round. Now, maybe they'll get through. Um, but I know everyone is praying or maybe they're hoping for an L.A. versus L.A. Western Conference Finals. Uh, the Clippers, I feel confident about. I'm not sure about the Lakers yet. Yeah, just because of how bad they were, and there's nothing about the team uh, structure that has that really inspires confidence. Yeah, I just don't doubt LeBron James anymore. That's my uh, <laughs> <laughs> rule of thumb. No, that's fair. Well, well, let's see. This is his first real foray in the West in the playoffs. Yeah, and I'm excited. This a... Western Conference playoffs is one of the uh, most exciting I've seen in quite a long time. Yeah, just because I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't, we haven't seen him in the playoffs in the West yet. Oh, we, haven't, we haven't seen no. him. This have, is going to be the first year have in to the go through this kind of grind. Anyway, so extremely sad reality hitting the Maple Leafs uh, last week, um, but in some ways I think it's totally justified based on the way that they played. Not in some ways, just overall. Uh, the NHL has some awesome polarized matchups where we have teams that are high-end, offensively-minded, get a lot of scoring chances, get a lot of chances in general, versus stingy defensive teams and these teams being patient and waiting. So let's see how those uh, results uh, turn out. And, of course, the NBA. A couple interesting uh, Eastern Conference matchups, the Raps uh, and Nets, Yawn, the Bucks and Magic, Yawn. The West looks fantastic. I'm very, very excited for that. Uh, Thank you, Adam. This has been the War Room Podcast. Talk to you guys in the next episode.